I truly believe that success in creative business comes down to the mindset and the skill set of the leader. And honestly, it's 80% mindset. Mm. And so what I've be really been focused on is not just tactically, what does a business look like and how do you do sales and marketing and finances and all that stuff. It's like, what's the mindset that helps somebody be good at those things so that they have the desire to go learn how to improve mm. and grow their business so that they can get better at their craft, their skill set, right? Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help with yours, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. So today we've got another great guest on the episode, Darren Smith. And uh, Darren, this is a little bit of an introduction. So he's uh, been in the creative or in the creative industry for a lot of his career for 15 years. Started out in the music industry. I think he said he out, you toured with some bands, including Imagine Dragons. Is that right? So which is a cool band. It's a, uh, anyway, I think you Imagine Dragons has their their Utah origins or or, or whatnot. Um, but uh, so did that for a while. Got into film production. And then from film production, as that kind of wound down, you then started your own creative end or creative agency um, and have been doing that and had to make some adjustments some pivots due to COVID as you're doing or as everybody's having to. And that kind of gives you a brief introduction. And with that, welcome onto the podcast, Darren. Hey, thanks so much. It's really great to be here. Appreciate the time. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. So I gave a very brief introduction. I'm sure it didn't do anywhere near justice. So let's take you back. Let's go back to when you started uh, started out your career and you're graduating and doing all the cool things that sound fun with mu- music and bands and college and all that. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, you know, I've been a creative in the music and film industries for as long as I can remember. I was in in bands that I helped start in high school and we toured and we played professionally and we were in jazz festivals and stuff like mm. that and then played and, and did a lot of that stuff in college. And really college was the, the pivot point because I really realized that playing saxophone for a profession was not going to really give me the kind of lifestyle that I wanted. I saw the trajectory with my instructors and was like, that's not what I want to do. So I pivoted there and got into doing live sound and, you know, doing music for bands and doing live events and stuff, really loved it. Got into a, a venue here in Provo and started running sound. And that's where I met bands like Imagine Dragons and Neon Trees. They all got their start here in Provo, Utah at Valor Live. So I was a sound guy there for like 10 years. And during that time, really pivoted from doing touring and live sound and doing into doing post-production sound for film and Mm. it was around 2006 2007 that i was like okay i'm all in on the film thing it's super fun Mm. i was doing sound design for film so i was like making things blow up and making people crunch when they hit the ground and like (laughs) it was just so cool that i could not um turn it down and like the hours were so much better i was working a nine to five instead of like a five to 2 a.m. or Mm. a 24 seven when I was touring with Neon Trees. So it just really fixed around that time I was getting married. I had my first son Mm. and it was just such a better lifestyle. So from doing sound for film, I got into writing and producing and that's really where I spend most of my time now. I'm a film and TV producer. I do a lot of- Before you jump too far, just a couple of questions. So you- (laughs) 
I'm going to jump back. So you did, first of all, you start out with bands, right? And did music for a while. Yeah. Was what is that as cool as it sounds to work with the fun bands or is it a lot more boring once you do it enough times? Just was curious, you know, when it, when you hear all the fun names, it's like, oh, that's not, that's got to be a fun job or it's cool to see all the concerts. Or I could see it's like, I've heard this music. I've heard a concert. I've seen this so many times. It loses some of its savorness. You know, ha- having my start as a performer, it was, mm. it felt like being a fifth or sixth member of the band for me. Mm. I, I could tell when a crowd was responding to a certain push of a certain fader or a tweak of mm. EQ or reverb or whatever it was I was doing. And it really felt just fully amazing every hour, every minute of the day. I loved it. Um, it was really hard to say no. I was invited to go out on tour for an entire year with Neon mm. Trees, but it was right as my son was being born. It's like, mm. I'm not going to be gone 10 months out of 12 in his first year of life. It's just not the kind of dad I want to be. So I mm. turned it down and then I did a little, a couple of one-off shows for them and Imagine Dragons and people like that. But mm. it's a blast. It's a ton of fun, but it's also a lot of work. It's tiring. Mm. You're on the road. It's long days, long nights, late hours. It's a lot. So, and sleeping on a tour bus, not my favorite, but it did teach me how to sleep through literally anything. And that served me well when I was having, we were having kids and I had to figure out how to sleep in a hospital <laughs> with delivery room. Right. So that's, that's fair pros enough. And cons to all so, so now you, you see, you know, so that, first of all, that sounds interesting. It just sounds like it'd be a, a ton of fun to be able to go on tour, but to your point, it is a lot of work and on the road and other drawbacks to it. So you say, okay, we're going to make the transition from music industry or at least touring over to now sound design from films and that. How did you make, you know, how did you make that leap or that jump? Did you, how, did you put out your shingle, put out your resume and just happen to find one? Or did you start on your own or kind of, how did you say, okay, I can't be on the road all the time. I've got my kid coming. I still want to be in the creative space. So how did you make that jump? You know, the short story was just uh, networking and being open to opportunities. And so I was already kind of getting into post-production sound, but Mm. I had this new resume line item of like, I toured with Neon Trees Mm. nationally, like shows that were 15,000 people, right? So like I was at a certain level that people could go, oh, he knows what he's doing behind Mm. a soundboard. And so I got into doing post-production sound while in school. That's where I did like my internship and I started pivoting into film, even in college. Um, so it was kind of a dual thing that I was doing. My The job that paid me the most was doing post-production sound, but I loved doing the live sound. And then I would I ended up going on a tour. Mm. So it was just kind of a natural progression of things. And I, I think the big takeaway for me was I knew what I wanted my life to look like. I mm. knew how much time I wanted to be home and be present with my wife and kids. I knew how much money I wanted to make. I knew how much I wanted to travel or not travel. And mm. it was just a, a progression of like four to five years of strategically going, you know, if I take this gig and start doing post-production sound at this place or with this client, that's going to lead me in this way. Whereas if I take this 10 month tour with Neon Trees, it's going to take me this way. And it was just, there were a couple of moments in, in a five or six year period that I was just like systematically just kind of going this way, this way, this way, this way. Mm. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. So, so now you did that. You made the transition. You said, "Okay, going to go from touring to the film industry, to sound production for a period of time, and then got more into the actual film producing and some of that." Was it a, a worthwhile transition? Did you love it as much as touring? And you know, how did that go for making that transition? 
it was definitely worthwhile because I went from being a vendor, so to speak, to mm. being a business owner. And that mm. is a huge lesson in my life to where I, I wasn't dependent on a single source of income anymore. I wasn't just a vendor. I wasn't a contractor for neon trees. And if they decided to cancel a tour or postpone a tour or something happened, I'd be out of mm. a job. It's the same way I didn't, I didn't ever go and try to join corporate America because I'd never wanted a single point of failure, which is another term for a boss. <laughs> I just didn't want somebody to have that much control over the trajectory of my life to where they could decide what I got paid, what hours I got, I worked and whether or not I had a job tomorrow. And it was, it just felt too risky for me. So mm. I really enjoyed the pivot to owning and running a video production company because I was in control and I could affect if we wanted to get more clients and make more money, I could do that. I could turn that mm. knob or put some pressure on that lever and we could have more clients. And if I wanted to scale it back or if I wanted to only focus on high quality clients, I could fire people. I could say, you're not a good client. You don't mm. pay on time. We don't work together anymore. Mm. And so I really, really enjoyed it. That was a probably the pivotal moment was deciding I want to be a business owner. I want to have complete control and freedom. And mm. yeah, there's other risks involved, but I'll take mm. those over the risk of being able to get fired or get let go or any of those kind of things. No, and, I, and I'm I'm a big proponent of it. And I, I've done my own startups. I've done or started my own firm. But, you know, it's interesting. You always hear, well, the, you know, it's more riskier, it's less secure. And I always look at it and says, yeah, but big businesses lay people off all the time. You know, you work for somebody else. They may not manage it any better than you could. And so there's, you know, you look at their risk. But I, I like kind of what you said. It's, it's, it's a nice, you're saying, I just don't like working with this client anymore. They're not fun. They're they're they don't pay their bills on time. They're a pain they always work with. They always want changes. They always want this. They're always running us over costs. We're writing things off. You're saying, yeah. I'm just not gonna work with them anymore. And when you're in the driver's seat, when you're no longer or somebody else is, you know, in control, but you control it yourself, it makes it a lot easier to actually have that, you know, captain your own destiny. So so you went from doing, you know, touring in bands went and worked for the film production then did your own creative in, or creative development company and have been doing that and you're still doing that is that right well it's uh i'll reframe that a little bit because i, I okay. think we were losing the the context or the, the accuracy <laughs> with the terminology but that's probably fair my enough. fault so no so, <laughs> fair enough correct I've me where had... i'm wrong you're not gonna hurt my feelings <laughs> So in 2017, the end of 2017, I left that business. I, I had a business mm. partner. The business wasn't doing well. The partnership wasn't working out. We're still mm. like best friends, but the partnership mm. was not healthy. So we stopped. I left. Um, mm. And in 2018, I realized that as much as I enjoyed the control and freedom of owning my own business, I wasn't doing a very good job running a good business. So mm. I took a very conscious um, effort and made some goals and said, I'm going to figure this out because I want to get to the point where I know how to start businesses. I know how to run businesses. I know how to grow businesses. And it, it was a two or two and a half year period of just really focusing my effort on what's the thing that's holding me back now and then fixing it. And if I didn't know how to fix it, then I went and figured it out. And mm. so over this period of time, so much research and seminars and courses and coaching and all this stuff that I went through, mm. I realized how important it was for people like me in my situation to understand all these basics that a lot of people go to an MBA and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars for. Well, mm. I did it in two years with like YouTube and courses and maybe 10 grand worth of expense. Mm. So 
when COVID happened this year, the TV show I'm a senior producer on got, uh, you know, got postponed. So I was furloughed over the summer and mm. I found myself in a good situation where I was like, okay, I've got money because I figured out my business over the last two years. Mm. We've got a little bit of time and I'm, I don't have any pressure to like go and find clients right now. So mm. I can, I could do this. Like I could, I've, I had this idea where I wanted to help other creatives and freelancers and small business owners figure out all the stuff that I figured out because mm. I like teaching, I like writing, I like sharing all that stuff. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I built a online course platform slash coaching platform called Craftsman Creative mm. and basically started putting out content that helps people like me who want to figure out how to build like a resilient profitable business to support mm. the creative work they're doing. Mm. Like, here's how to do that. I'm just going to teach it to you. And I just put out courses and then I started producing courses for other people and putting them on the platform. And then I built an app to support people who are doing it because they need a tool to be able to track mm. this stuff and focus their efforts. And that's kind of been what this year has been about. I've still done film and TV production. I've still been producing courses. I still do a lot of that work but mm. it's now in a kind of new and expanded context. So it's really focused on how can I contribute the most to these people that I really care about and really want to serve? Because as we've talked about, all of my friends are musicians and filmmakers and writers and photographers, and, and they're the ones who got hit really, really hard this year. The gig mm. economy is still not recovered. So mm. a lot of my friends are just like, sitting and waiting and they're on unemployment and they're taking jobs, but there's no jobs. And like, it's been a hard year. Mm. And so I found myself in this situation where I could legitimately, sorry, I've got <laughs> my phone call coming in <laughs> phone. Cause I'm using my phone as my camera. So that's the downside there. Um, but uh, I don't even know how to turn it off cause it's in like a camera mount or whatever, but <laughs> that's what this year has been. And it's been really, really, really fulfilling because I've got a business that's growing because of all this work and I'm able to focus on external things and not so much my own life, my own income, my own business. It's really been able, I've been able to focus on all the people I care about and serving them and helping them. But the money is kind of secondary. Like they pay me, but it's mm. not about making money. It's about serving and helping. And that's been the really great part about it all. No, and I think it's interesting as you, you know, as you go through your journey, but as you also said, hey, these are the skills that I need to do. Let's figure out business development. That's part of running a business. Let's figure these things out, how to help others. And then you to say, okay, now there, first of all, there's a business here and helping other people to learn the same things I did because, you know, it seems like not always, and you get that good mixture and it sounds like you've reached it. A lot of times, if you're on the creative side, you're awesome at creative, but terrible at the business side, or you can be great at the business side, but it's hard to be creative because really, you know, kind of takes both, you know, two different minds sets almost and be able to switch between them can be a difficult thing and I think it can be learned but it's certainly not that natural or intuitive a lot of times you can be naturally a business or naturally creative but to learn that other side of it can I think is a great endeavor and it sounds like you know is one that is bridging you're helping to bridge that gap so it's now you take so you figure this out you've taken COVID you kind of step back said okay I've learned these things now how am I going to create a platform share it to others help others to kind of learn the same things I did and be that good business person not just a great creative so now you take that where you know looking at the next and I know it's hard with the with everything going on but six to twelve months kind of where do you see things going next for you? Yeah, um, I want to quickly touch on what you just said though because it's been top of mind for me 
trying to analyze and figure out what what is it that's keeping the creative and mm. and artistic people from building these kind of businesses. And what I realize is that when when creative people are stressed and they their business isn't working or they're not getting enough clients or enough work, their answer is, well, I just need to do more work. I need to get mm. better at my work. And they focus on the thing that they know, which is their art and their craft and their their work. Mm. And the reality that I'm sure you know, and a lot of people listening to this know, is that the the execution, the craft, the work is only going to get you so far. Mm. And there's a, there's a cap to that. And it's I found that it's about $150,000. <laughs> After talking to hundreds of creatives this year, mm. even the ones that are doing really well from the outside looking in, you talk to them about, well, how's your business going? They're like, dude, I've been stuck at 140, 150K for three years. I don't know how to mm. get past it. It's mm. because they are approaching their business as a creative person. They're thinking, well, I just need to get better. And that's mm. not necessarily the case. You need to get better at something else, which is the business. And so I try, I've been really focusing on helping them understand how businesses work, that there's systems at play and they're interactive and you do something over here and effects over here. And so I wanted mm. to touch on that because it's super important, especially if there are creatives and artists listening that like, Doing more work, doing more art is not the answer when all of the stuff that happened this year took mm. your business out from under you. It's figuring out how do I actually approach the business in a systematic way. So to answer your, your question, <laughs> what's this next six to 12 months look like? You know, I am so excited about the next six to 12 months because I had the blessing and I know that it's like a privileged situation to be in where like I had time from March to now of this year where I could mm. put in time and effort on this thing. I didn't have to make 10 or 15 grand a month with my business in mm. order to support my lifestyle, right? So I was able to just kind of get by and we were able to do PPP loans and we were able to do SBA loans and we got grants and like, we were strategic about the way that we, my wife and I, who are both creatives and own our own businesses, were able to fund them through these kind of uh, programs and opportunities. And it's kept, it's given us all this time to build. And so this year has really felt like an upward uphill climb with like a 50 pound backpack on. And it's mm. been hard. There's just been so much building and effort and execution. But I knew that like, at some point, I'm going to have to go back to work and I'm going to have to <laughs> go make money again. Right. Mm. And so I'm like, I'm just going to go all in on this because I had a couple of signals that like, this is going to work. There's enough signal from enough uh, sample size of people that like, if I build this, mm. it, it could get big. So I kept going and going and going and building and building, and building. And it's really just been in the last like two to three weeks. So after eight months of building mm. where it feels like, okay, I've been going uphill for eight months, but it just kind of flattened out. So mm. it got a little bit easier. And now it almost feels like we're rounding a corner and it's a downhill slope. And I'm going to have a little bit of momentum and wind at my back, or it's just going to be easier to keep making progress. So what it looks like technically is that I'm producing more content for Craftsman Creative. I've got bigger partners that I'm partnering with to produce courses for them. So people with followings in the 50 to 200,000 followings instead of the 10 to 15,000 followings. Mm. So that just that's leverage. That's just even the next step of like, you execute well, and then you start implementing some systems, but then you start putting some leverage at play 
And the same amount of work gets you 10 times the results. So that's mm. what the next six months looks like. And then with this app that we built, it's called Benchmark. And that's something where, you know, we built the infrastructure, we built the app, we built the website, we have a marketing channel that's starting to generate leads at a pretty profitable amount. So that's a, a matter of scale and then doing version two and then mm. turning it into a SaaS app and all those kind of things happens in the next six months as well. And so I'm feeling the momentum and like the, all the energy that's going forward now, which is very exciting. And I'm, I'm super excited and curious to see what six to 12 months looks like. Cause I know I can kind of see zero to six, but six mm. to 12, I have no idea. It could be <laughs> a nice lifestyle business, or it could be like, man, we, we can scale this thing. We could grow mm. it. We could sell it. We could reach tens of thousands of people. Like, I, I just don't know. <laughs> hey, that, that's fun. Part of the fun of the journey is figuring you're seeing where it goes and what the opportunities lie and then pivoting and adjusting accordingly. Yeah. Well, as we start to wrap up towards the end of the podcast, I always have two, and there's always more things I want to talk on and go through and there's never enough time, but someday I'll have, I'll have or more time and we could, uh, we'll have to circle back. But as we wrap up, I always ask two questions I ask in the, towards the end of the podcast. So why don't we jump to those now? So the first question I always ask is within your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? You know, you gave me the heads up on this one and I didn't spend enough time thinking about it. So now I have to kind of think back. The The worst decision I made was actually um, postponing a decision or abdicating a decision. Mm. I think the, the the thing that held me back the most in the last decade or 15 years of doing this stuff, owning my own business was sticking with a partnership longer than I should have, because mm. the writing was kind of on the wall around 2014, 2015, mm. but we stuck with it and we kept going. And that business never did more than like 165 grand in a year, but mm. there's two partners who are 50, 50 partners who need to provide for families of five each. Right. Mm. So I should have made a choice earlier, two, three, four years earlier to leave that business strike out on my own and really go. Because what happened after leaving that business, and by no means am I saying my business partner was at fault. No, so absolutely. Making that I, I think that on that, there are times that you can be great friends, both people can be talented yeah. and you just don't mesh well. So absolutely, I, I agree with you. Yeah, the business just wasn't working. And so had I, you know, what happened after 2017 is I went, and doubled my revenue in 2018, and then doubled it again in 2019. Mm. And had I done that in four years, five years earlier, three or three, four years or whatever it was, I could have been even closer to the goals and the, the mm. things that I wanted to achieve for myself and my family, instead of having to go through the worst financial year of my life in 2017, because of that business, I was trying mm. to keep it afloat through loans and debt. And it just, yeah, really kicked me in the butt. So that was the, the worst decision was just postponing a decision that was really important to, I should have made it two, three years earlier. No, and I think that there, there's a lot of wisdom in learning from that because oftentimes you're saying, ah, I don't want to have to deal with it or I don't want to make the decision. I'll just, you know, we can figure it out and work through it. And sometimes those hardest decisions need to be made and the longer you postpone them, the worse it gets. So, you know, and I, I also agree with, you know, to your point, it's not bashing on a business partner. You have some partners that they're talented. They want to do it their way and the way they want to do it is just simply not the same way that works for you. And so both of the ways are good, just not combining them are, are not always good. Yeah. 
So now the second question, which is talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I mean, selfless plug, I would say, go check out Craftsman <laughs> because that's exactly who we're targeting. It's really the, all the work I've been doing this year is to help people like that who are just getting mm. started or honestly, who've been doing it for three, five, 10 years, and they're still not happy with the results they're getting. And the, here's the, the podcast version of the, the answer, which is, I truly believe that success in creative business comes down to the mindset and the skill set of the leader. And honestly, it's 80% mindset. Mm. And so what I've really been focused on is not just tactically, what does a business look like and how do you do sales and marketing and finances and all that stuff? It's like, what's the mindset that helps somebody be good at those things so that they have the desire to go learn how to improve Mm. and grow their business? so that they can get better at their craft, their skill set, right? Because mm-hmm. the tactics, yes, they matter. The systems, the tools, all of that is important. But if you don't approach it with the right mindset, and by mindset, I mean like global belief system. Are people good or bad? Am I inherently valuable to the marketplace? Do mm-hmm. I have something to offer people? Like all this goes into mindset. And if, if you don't have a mindset that allows you to show up every single day, and have fun doing the work that you claim to love, then you're going to just struggle all the time. (laughs) And that's no fun. I was there in 2017. I was showing up to work every day and it sucked because my mindset was wrong. And so that's the big thing. It's like focusing on the mindset, being able to understand that you can get better. It's a muscle. It's a decision. There's all this stuff that plays in the mindset that if you get that right, all the other stuff is actually pretty easy. Mm. And so that's where we're focusing a lot of my time and my team's time and the, the business's focus is on helping artists, creatives, freelancers, small business owners with their mindset and their skill set to help them grow their businesses and get the results they want for them and their families. No, and I think that, that I think I certainly agree with that. So now that makes a perfect transition to from the shameless plug into if people want to reach out to you, they want to connect up to you, they want to use your product, they want to be your next employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to connect up with you or learn more? Um, best way, honestly, is on Twitter. So at Darren T. Smith is my Twitter mm-hmm. handle, and I'm very accessible there. Um, mm-hmm. My Twitter handle is. Uh, at Darren T. Smith, but the name on there is my email address, which is Darren at hey.com. So I'm open and available. I don't get thousand emails a day. And so I'm still in the place where like, you can email me and I'll talk to you and it's fine. But if you're in, at all intrigued at anything I talked about today, check out craftsmancreative.co. And that's where all the courses and stuff lie. But the thing I'm really excited about, and I think is going to be beneficial for the audience is if people go check out build.craftsmancreative.co, I put together a amazing coaching platform or program for next year, mm. which really just systematically covers everything I talked about today. Everything I've learned over the last 15 years of running and owning a creative business and helping people do the same next year. So Craftsman Creative is really the thing that I'm building. And then, you know, reach out to me if you want to learn about the app. I, I'll tell you about all that stuff. Just all say right. hi. I love talking. Hey, I appreciate that. And I certainly encourage everybody to reach out, find out more about Craftsman Creative, reach out to you on Twitter and any other avenue that they can find. Well, Darren, it's been a fun to have you on at the show and it's been a pleasure. Now, if you're a listener, 
If you're a listener, uh, make sure to, um, if you have your own journey to tell, we'd love to tell it. So feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com, apply to be on the show. If you're a listener, also make sure to click uh, subscribe on any, wherever you listen to the podcast. So you get notifications as all the awesome episodes come out. Last but not least, make sure to, uh, if you ever need help with uh, patents or trademarks, go to uh, Miller IP Law. You can sign up at uh, strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Thank you again, Darren. It's been a pleasure and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of The Inventive Journey, make sure to go and check out Startups Magazine. They're an awesome uh, magazine and podcast centered over in the UK. And if the magazine is a digital and print magazine where they focus on um, tech startups and entrepreneurs, and they also have a focus on uh, female founders and women in tech. So if you want to check out their magazine, neither digital or print, it's uh, Startups Magazine, Startups with an S, magazine.co.uk. And you can also look up their podcast, which is called The Serial entrepreneur so go check them out they're awesome and definitely if you like this episode you'll like them 